Welcome to True Crime Cat Lawyer. I'm your host, Elise, and sometimes my cat Winston joins me. This podcast contains content of a graphic nature that might not be suitable for all listeners, including descriptions of violence, sexual assault, and crimes against animals and children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to True Crime Cat Lawyer. Before we get started, I want to add an extra trigger warning here for police brutality. Please use caution when listening to this episode. Earlier this season, we covered the case of Manuel Ellis, a Black man who was brutally beaten and murdered by three Tacoma police officers. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend it. It's one of the most powerful and heartbreaking episodes we've done since we started this podcast. Today's case is also one of police brutality. Although the victim in today's case survived, the beating was still brutal and left Joseph Zamora with permanent physical and emotional scars. This is the case of the brutal police beating of Joseph Zamora. The day was February 5th, 2017. It was a festive occasion for those of us who enjoy football. It was Super Bowl Sunday. After all the festivities were over, a 911 call was made to the Moses Lake Police Department. The caller said she saw someone that appeared to be looking into cars near her home. In other words, the caller thought there was a car prowler outside near her home. At 9.30 p.m., Officer Kevin Hake, who was on patrol at the time, received the call from dispatch and headed to the area. When Hake arrived on the scene, he pulled over his patrol car and signaled to the man, Joseph Zamora, that he wanted to talk to him. At this point, the two men were about 20 feet away from each other. There was no street lighting and it was nighttime on a winter night in the Pacific Northwest, so it was dark outside. Hake didn't have a body camera and his patrol dash camera didn't work, both of which would later become problematic. Hake asked Joseph where he was going, where he was coming from, and what his name was. Joseph didn't answer any of Hake's questions. Instead, Hake claimed Joseph, quote-unquote, leaned in to read his name tag, quote, stood back up straight and stared at him, end quote, which made Hake nervous. Hake said Joseph had no expression in his eyes and his pupils were extremely dilated. Hake noticed Joseph had his left hand partially in his left pocket and, quote, appeared to be fiddling with something, end quote. Hake assumed that Joseph had drugs he was trying to get rid of. Joseph tried going around Hake, but Hake stuck out his arm and told Joseph he wasn't free to leave. He got on his police radio and told the dispatcher he had a person resisting, in spite of the fact that Joseph hadn't done anything threatening at that point. But Hake said he was quote-unquote scared. Things escalated when Joseph dropped one of his boots. Hake said he saw this only as movement with Joseph's left arm, so he responded by grabbing Joseph hooking him at the elbows, and trying unsuccessfully to use his own leg to kick Joseph's legs out from under him. Hake claimed that's when the lengthy struggle started. It was later described as a, quote, intense and unrelenting struggle, end quote. 
Hake claimed Joseph was stronger than him, and he and Joseph threw dozens of punches at one another before other officers arrived on the scene. At one point, Hake pulled his gun out and put it against Joseph's ear, temple, and in his mouth. Hake told Joseph to put his hands behind his back or he would fucking kill him. Hake was absolutely fully prepared to shoot Joseph. It took six officers to handcuff Joseph, who continued kicking and flailing and resisting. Officers eventually had to use rope to hobble Joseph. The officers repeatedly hit him, pepper sprayed him in the face twice, and tased him at least three times. The officers called for medical attention, and when EMTs arrived, Joseph wasn't breathing and he had no pulse. They immediately started CPR, gave Joseph oxygen and epinephrine, and had to administer two defibrillations. They were able to get Joseph's heart started again and transported him to a hospital in Spokane. A urine sample at the hospital showed Joseph had meth and THC in his system. A pocket knife was found in his coat pocket, and Joseph had been carrying a case for a DJ Hero music video game. Joseph spent four weeks in a medically induced coma in the ICU at the hospital, recovering from his injuries. So, how did we get here? Joseph spent Super Bowl Sunday with his brother James. After the game, Joseph decided to walk to his niece's house, who lived a few blocks away. It was while he was making his way to his niece's house that Joseph was stopped by Hake. In fact, the beating and arrest took place right outside his niece's house. And yes, Joseph was high at the time, but he hadn't done anything wrong when Hake stopped him. Regardless of whether he was looking into cars as the 911 caller suggested, there was absolutely no evidence that Joseph broke into any of the cars, damaged the cars, or stole anything from the vehicles. So again, there was nothing to justify why Hake brutalized Joseph. The six officers involved in Joseph's assault didn't prepare police reports, nor did they provide interviews to the Washington State Patrol as part of their investigation into the case. The internal investigation with the Moses Lake PD found no wrongdoing by any of the officers. And sadly, after talking to Joseph and other witnesses, the Washington State Patrol recommended the DA file charges against Joseph Zamora. In May 2018, Joseph was charged with two counts of third-degree assault against Hake and another officer. Hake was charged with assault four and disorderly conduct by way of fighting words. At Joseph's trial, the state called the woman who made the 911 call, Officer Hake, the other officer who was assaulted, other responding officers, and the Washington State Patrol investigator as witnesses. The 911 caller was a neighbor in the area. She testified that she told Joseph he was on private property and needed to leave. Interestingly, though, she testified that she never saw Joseph look into, touch, or press up against any cars. After Joseph continued walking away, the woman then decided to call 911 to report a quote-unquote suspicious person possibly car prowling in the area. Records showed that Hake responded to the 911 call within 30 seconds because he was already in the area. Hake testified that Joseph was, quote, aggressive by passively resisting interaction, end quote, with him, and he was, quote unquote, in fear for his life. Hake told Joseph he wasn't under arrest, but then proceeded to grab Joseph from behind, hooking both of his arms and pulling him into his person, and then the struggle started. When Hake couldn't take Joseph down to the ground, Hake shoved him, which made Joseph fall backward. 
The defense called Joseph's sister and EMTs, as well as the father of Joseph's niece's boyfriend, Javier Torres. Torres saw the whole encounter because, like I said earlier, it all basically happened in his front yard. Torres said he never saw Joseph fighting back any of the officers, but he did see the officers kick, punch, and elbow Joseph. The jury deliberated for two days. During deliberations, the jury asked for definitions of excessive force and necessary force. They eventually found Joseph guilty. Two months after the assault on Joseph, Hake got into an altercation at a bar in Moses Lake. A woman said he made sexual comments to her and touched her butt. The woman chose not to make a report of the sexual harassment because Hake was a police officer. A few weeks later, Hake ran into the same woman and her boyfriend at a different bar. Hake was highly intoxicated and an altercation ensued outside the bar. Hake was charged with assault and disorderly conduct for the bar fight, but the charges were dismissed two years later after Hake completed drug and alcohol counseling. Hake stopped working for the Moses Lake PD four months after the assault. He resigned in May 2017 in lieu of termination. Hake hasn't worked in law enforcement since. Hake was prone to resorting to violence way quicker than other officers. Employment records showed that Hake was told to work on his de-escalation techniques because he had the, quote, propensity to act with force when other tactics appeared reasonable and available, end quote. Joseph appealed his conviction, but while his case was being appealed, Joseph had to serve his full sentence. At Joseph's trial, the DA had asked potential jurors their opinions on a border wall, illegal border crossings, and crime committed by immigrants. The Court of Appeals said this line of questioning by the DA was, quote, irrelevant and allegedly inflammatory, end quote, but the court didn't find any legal issue. Joseph continued his appeal to the Washington State Supreme Court. While the case was pending appeal, the Grant County DA decided he was no longer interested in pursuing the case and asked for it to be dismissed. DA McCray claimed there weren't enough lawyers to try the appeal and pursuing the case was, quote, no longer in the interests of justice, end quote. The court denied the DA's request to dismiss the case. The Washington Supreme Court unanimously ruled that the DA committed race-based misconduct at trial by asking the questions about immigration. The Washington Supreme Court said Joseph's case wasn't remotely related to immigration, and the case had nothing to do with borders or border security. The court said the damage to Joseph's defense was incurable. The court threw out the convictions. Quote, this was a prosecution where a citizen's mistaken report of vehicle prowling led to a violent altercation with police officers that almost resulted in the death of Joseph Zamora, who was guilty of nothing more than walking while high on drugs, end quote. The Washington Supreme Court's order issued on July 22, 2022. As soon as the decision came out, the current DA sent an email to the Moses Lake chief of police, letting him know he wanted to discuss whether the case should be retried. A month after the court decision, the DA decided it was going to re-prosecute Joseph Zamora. And here's why this is fucked up. Joseph already served his full prison term. So even if he was convicted again, he wouldn't spend any time in jail. But despite that, the Grant County DA said he decided to recharge Joseph in part because Joseph hadn't, quote unquote, taken responsibility for his actions. 
the DA claimed Joseph hadn't learned his lesson. And that was because the DA had received a voicemail from Joseph demanding that he charge Hake with attempted murder. Quote, while there is no more jail time available in this case, any conviction would still count as criminal history on Zamora's offender score and would have an effect on the sentence for any future crimes Zamora may commit and hopefully impress upon Zamora the improperness of his behavior, end quote. The DA maintains that the decision to refile charges isn't wrong because the recharging is based on an alleged change in circumstances. But the only change in circumstances he offered was that the Supreme Court's opinion allegedly undercut the public's faith in law enforcement and the legal field in general, and that the public has an interest in the quote-unquote full airing of the facts. Joseph has a legal team of five attorneys who are working with him pro bono. His lawyers told the Seattle Times that it was, quote, very unusual for a prosecutor to move forward with a retrial of a low-level felony offense when the defendant has already served his entire sentence. It's even more surprising in this case because the Supreme Court opinion reversing Mr. Zamora's conviction contains such pointed criticism of the conduct of the prosecutor and the police, end quote. Following the assault in 2017, Joseph suffers from seizures, stress, anxiety, and severe mental health issues. When speaking about the DA's decision to recharge him, Joseph told the Seattle Times that the DA wanted to, quote, make the public feel that what the Moses Lake PD did to me, the beating I took, was just, when it wasn't, end quote. Joseph's next court date is in September 2023. We'll continue to keep you updated on this case as it moves forward. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review if you like the show. You can email case suggestions or comments to truecrimecatlawyer at gmail.com. The links for our social media pages are included in the show notes. You can find our discussion group on Facebook by searching for True Crime Cat Lawyer in the group section. Finally, if you're interested in learning more about my co-host, you can check out her Instagram at WinstonTheCatPDX. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.